Let's have Griffin bring us in. Let's okay. Do, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Griffin, do your trademark high energy oh. intro. I'm losing my voice. I gave blood this morning. I'm feeling great. <laughs> you gave blood, so you're losing your voice. <laughs> you gave much, it out of his throat. How much yeah, blood was, did you give? They stuck it in here. They yeah. took it out, and now I'm like, guys, I'm a podcaster. I can't. And they're like, no, it's okay. This is where all the good stuff is. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. I gave 19 liters of blood this morning. <laughs> so selfless i'm too weak i need jim davis comics you know i gotta like read those and so sorry wait is your blood getting tested or did you actually donate blood uh my blood's getting tested okay so when you say i gave i gave blood that makes it sound like you're like some sort of yeah well well now you know you know i i I gave it to the lab technicians listen all right to determine what's fucking wrong with me my (laughs) yeah i i got a condition chip and i don't know what it's uh what it is or what's going on don't you feel bad now that you made fun of him for that yeah you felt what an absolute ass all right, Who's that right, absolute ass talking? Well, we're about to find out here on this episode <laughs> of Ideas Don't Bleed. Welcome back, everybody. It's Ashcan Press's Ideas Don't Bleed. Welcome back to making fun of That's Griffin's Ethan. condition. <laughs> <laughs> With a S in parentheses, we're going to find out. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg <laughs> yeah. is here. Hello, sir. Yeah, I shut up um, I'm excited to be uh, here with you gentlemen once again, and only vaguely, you know, uh, intrigued to see what happens with our guest today. The one, the only, Mr. Chip Zdarsky is here, uh, calling in from the wilderness. Well, well, first of all, when you say, like, vaguely intrigued, I mean... On 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 the other podcast you do, uh, Ryan Stegman's podcast, like we, I play a character uh-huh. that uh-huh. absolutely detests the two of you, right? Sure, um, yeah, but right. that's not that's not real. So let's just drop that. Like, I okay, I, I really really like you guys. I think you're just great, oh, thanks, and you're man. great at what you do, and uh, how you selflessly give of yourself, whether it be blood or uh, time. <laughs> So, so let's just let's just get on that page. No characters. Yeah. This is this is Sounds the real. Good. This is the real. And for podcast. the record, we've asked you not to do that character. It kind of hurts mm-hmm. our feelings. We um, have this weird insist. paternal thing where, like, that sort of you know. Oh, does he does he love us? Does he? We don't. Know? Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I, I, not... I get that, and I, I know your generation has trouble divorcing uh, fiction from reality. Big um, time. So yeah, that's yeah, something we can work on. Anyways, hey, <laughs> hey, Matt, how's it going? It's really good. Um, I feel like we got pretty much most of the stuff I wanted to talk about out of the way mm-hmm. right now. So this will be pretty freeform. Yeah. Dilbert Which discourse, is... Discord, yeah, yeah. So you didn't, you didn't plan. That's what you're uh, saying. I planned. I okay, good. I got questions. Oh, you got notes. Oh my god. Oh, I got notes. I got the notes. The dude's always going analog with his notes. It's actually notes. really refreshing. <laughs> you know, it, here's the thing. Yeah. You act like it's a choice to go analog, but actually I don't know how I could do the podcast and look at the notes otherwise. It's not it's not a choice by some sort of 
Edward R. Murrow as <laughs> commitment is, to journalism. It is hard. <laughs> like I, I had a thing like when we used to do like were were you still doing like Marvel stuff when they did the Zoom Marvel meetings? No, no, I was gone. That was the worst because you'd have to present and like talk to the camera and read your notes and they'd have to be somewhere on your screen and you have to make it seem like natural. And that was yeah, yeah. You get a printer. This is what you I'm get saying. A printer. Yeah. Buy a printer. <laughs> Uh, I've done I've done the DC Zoom uh, yeah. Zooms with you, and those yeah. are quite fun. But I don't ever have to read notes. I just sit there and listen to you talk about Batman, and I go, <laughs> oh, "Sounds cool." Uh, here he goes about Batman again. Great. What's, All right. Is, are we going to talk about anything else here? In the... another hour of my life. Can, can I ask you, Chip? Have you heard an episode of this show at all? No. No, I haven't. Okay, because Rosenberg, I, I think Rosenberg, I think thinks this is a bad show and thinks that he's what? bad at it. Uh, oh, but no. I, I, I would insist that, that he's doing a great job, and he's always got good questions. Whoa. Um, what is this? And I think it's in part, part of having it printed out just shows his work ethic, yeah. you know? Definitely. And it shows how committed Definitely. he is to the form. I mean, I can, I, can, I can tell this is like a proper professional podcast because we're almost six minutes in and no one's asked me a fucking question yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's... Yeah, this is. I'm I mean, sorry. this is my I'm, point. I'm sorry. I, no. I see a joke. I'm just going for it. Let's let's start. You know. All right. Let's start. You want questions? We'll do. Yeah. Questions. You know. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hit let's me. Do um, it. Drop that. Wall. Drop that first question, Matthew Rosenberg. Oh, here's, our, here's our first question. It's a basic one. Yeah. You open up as much as you want for it. Yeah. Uh, why do you make comics, Chip? Oh, geez. Wow. Great question. Yeah. Um, it's not. But. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I mean, gotta say it's the money. Like, wow, <laughs> sure, wow, just checks it's flying in. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, like you, I think like most uh, people who make comics, like I fell in love with them when I was young, and I made my own as a kid, and um, it, it always what, felt like. What did the, you What did you make when you were a kid? Oh, like fan like, comics. I did a uh, Spider-Man in the Future. This oh, is wow. before Spider-Man 2099 came out, so I was pretty upset when that That's happened. That's crazy. Um, you did Family Circus 2099. That's crazy. Yeah, That's yeah. Crazy. I did all those. Everything was, was he further or 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 sooner in the future than 2099? Well, I I, I kept it vague because I'm like, oh, okay. well, I don't want I don't want to catch up to that time. Right, right. Obvious, obviously, as I'm creating it when I'm uh, eight years old. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I did a lot of I did a lot of comics, almost all abandoned after two pages, um, about a uh, about a version of myself named Andy, who was much cooler than myself, and uh, he was in love with these two girls, um, who are based on girls that I knew, uh, and they get all wrapped up in all sorts of adventures, um, and you know they 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 met the Electro Pets, which were you know uh, a bunch of pets with electricity. Uh, themed uh powers um um, you know they became buddies with uni squad which was firestorm but instead of two men being combined into one it was five people combined into one wow it was a a voltron firestorm yeah yeah i like that but it turned into just like one dude with a cool leather jacket that's sick um yeah yeah a lot of characters like that there was a couple of racist characters in there for sure 
like uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, like uh, karate based uh, um, uh, Asian uh, characters. That stuff's very okay. popular now. Have you thought about bringing that stuff back out? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, yeah, no, I I, I consider it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Black Spider, which was a uh, basically Spider Man with multiple arms. Yeah, I mean a lot of like a lot of kind of fun little designs that, uh, um, with, again, turned into comics that were, lasted maybe a page or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but when I kind of got through art school, um, I just enjoyed making comic strips. You know, we, we were going on before this all started. We were talking about um, Ethan's favorite comic uh, strip, Dilbert. Oh sure. boy, <laughs> still a big fan to this day. Yeah, I don't, and, and, I don't know. And like, and like that format like really appealed to me. So I did like, I did like my own kind of like comic strips for like university newspapers, like kind of college paper stuff. Um, and I just enjoyed the process of like delivering jokes in that format uh, and showing them to my friends and seeing their reactions. And then uh, once I started to collect those and kind of do longer stories uh, and, and kind of print my own, I'm like, this is kind of the medium for me because I, I like to write and I like to draw. I don't want to write a novel. I don't want to write short stories because I think it's so hard to get people to even like bother flipping through, let alone reading them. Um, whereas comics, it feels it feels like a, such a nice entry point into into stories, like for anyone. Like you can hand a comic to anyone, and to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. And then it's it's a less of a time commitment, so they can they can get through it um, quicker than they would like a novel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of it's like all I don't I don't like to say my talents, but like it's all the things I know I can do, kind of combined into one. Especially after I started working at the newspaper, because I was like, I started to learn different computer programs and ways of conveying information. Because I was an information graphic artist for so long, mm-hmm. that um, like now, like my comics, especially the ones that I write and draw, they're just all the skills. Like everything that I've picked up over the years from doing animation backgrounds to those information graphics to like even oil painting, like they all kind of combine into, into like the hardest art form, which is comics. <laughs> the, uh, I'm always curious because I feel like comics is such a, um, th- there, there isn't really good training. I feel like even, even people I know who went to like art school and, and studied comics, there's sort of not a good training to understand no. how deadline driven and how like just sort of relentless the production of a comic is and how yeah. you know it, it's if you're making a comic to be published it's it's a it's a runaway train kind of thing yeah. but i feel like and i feel like everyone sort of has to learn that as they do it but coming from newspapers i feel like newspapers may be the only good training for that oh yeah yeah no i i wouldn't be doing this job of listening for newspapers 100 percent um because especially towards the end of working at the paper, my job changed a lot because I was a columnist at that point. And, uh, and I would do like comics and illustrations and videos and things. Um, and a lot of it was kind of like kind of the politics beat of like Canadian parliamentary and what, what the prime minister's up to and what the mayor's up to, okay. uh, which was a lot of fun because Rob Ford was the mayor at that time when I was there. He was up to some stuff. He was up to some stuff. And, and so you wouldn't know what the story was until like one or two in the afternoon. And like, you'd really start to work around four and you'd have to send the first edition of the, the paper to the press by six thirty. And like, if you're not done, like there's a blank spot in the newspaper. Yeah. Like it's just a crazy idea. There was, um, 
my arts editors. The the closest that came, and this is maybe the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me, is uh, leading up to a federal election here in Canada. I was in charge of a two page a DPS. Sure. A double page spread of the map of Canada in which I um, I highlighted every riding. There's like 300 plus ridings in Canada. And my job on election night was to take this map and like turn turn them over to the colors that the, 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 the votes went. Uh-huh. I, I, I spent weeks preparing. I drew this map out of Canada, like made it as perfect as I possibly could and as easy. And the results were not coming in fast enough. And nobody could nobody could determine who won anywhere. And I was dealing with an, an intern who hadn't like been there long, and they were breaking down, and people were yelling at each other, and like there's no information being conveyed to me. And like I just remember like the magic editor just like we've got to send it, send it fucking now, send it now. And I'm like okay, okay, okay. And I sent a two page spread of Canada that took up the whole thing, in which like four little dots. <laughs> Along the coast, were were called for like the BC Liberals or something and that, like, that went in the papers across the country, and I was just it was so embarrassing. <laughs> but no, there was there was an arts editor there who once told me that working at a newspaper was like uh, being on an airplane that was powered by coal, and you kept having to shovel coal into the furnace, or the plane would crash, and yeah. you'd never land. Like that's just how it is. You just, it just never stops, and comics feels a lot like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I I always I I think I maybe even told this on this podcast, but I'm I'm writing a comic with my brother who's a a screenwriter. And I had to sort of, you know, and he's he's written for TV and he he's written uh films and stuff. And I said to him I was like this is a very different machine than you're used to. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And he sort of and I I I was like, yeah. "I don't know how else to describe it other than we're about to start a train." And 20 feet in front of us, there isn't track. And your job and my job is to make sure there's track until yeah. the train is, until the train gets to where it's going. And we don't know when or where that is, really. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so that's so true. It's horrible. Um, but it's great. It's exciting. It means, like, you're constantly being uh, kind of mentally stimulated, I think, as a result of that. It's funny. I wrote, like, a, I, I have no real desire to write for TV or movies, but... We sold Newburn, my comic, to a um, to a, a studio, and part of the deal was that I got to write the the pilot. And I'm just like, this is the easiest gig in the world. <laughs> you just gotta write write one script, and you get paid as much as like you did if you wrote like 20 comic scripts or whatever. Like it's just it's it made no sense to me. And then the yeah. notes came in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, this is why. <laughs> this is why. I think yeah. I did a bad job on the script for sure. Um, <laughs> especially by the end, once all the notes were kind of taken into account. I'm just like, oh, I don't even recognize what I've written. But yeah, um, but yeah like it just feels like, and, and I've, I've talked to a lot of comic writers who've like made the jump to like film or TV, and they're just like, this is insanely easy. Like I just, I write one of these. That I, I've been given months to write it. Yeah. And I'm done in three days. I'm just like, what's next? Like, I don't understand what the issue is here. Yeah, we've we've gotten that a few times on the show of people saying that they didn't really have an interest in expanding into that territory. And, and what is that for you? Like, why? Wh- what is the lack of interest for you? Um, there's a few things, uh, and I was talking to somebody about it just earlier today, actually. And it's the it ultimately it's the lack of control, right? Um, 
I remember, I forget exactly the full story, but there was a This American Life years ago that chronicled a writer's screenplay. Oh, I love this. A, yeah, yeah, you probably remember better than I do, but like it was about like Cuban Revolution and like young love and stuff. And like um, by the time it kind of went through all the, the hands and the people and like somebody else had to come in and write it, blah, blah, blah. It ended up being Dirty Dancing to Havana Nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the, guy who, the guy who wrote it was like, didn't know. Someone called yeah. him and yeah. was like, congrats, your movie's coming out. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they were like, you are on the poster for Dirty Dancing to Havana Nights. <laughs> and he was like, I didn't write that. I wrote a movie about a young Fidel Castro. Yeah, and yeah. they were like, "Yeah, holy shit!" Yeah, and so I mean, that—that's the big thing—is that lack of control. Uh, I right. remember going. You know, I've told this story probably too many times now, but um, but never uh, on here. Never on here. <laughs> like after I finished writing Howard the Duck, we put Leah Thompson, the star of Howard the Duck, into the uh, comic, which meant getting rights approval and stuff. And uh, months after that, she contacted me out of the blue. And she was like, uh, that was a lot of fun. I am a director and I want to pitch a new Howard the Duck movie to Marvel Studios since it was the first Marvel movie. And I'm like, sounds great. And she's like, can you help me with the story? I'm like, absolutely. So I, I, I wrote up a story. Uh, Joe Canonis, the artist, came in and him and I kind of pitched in to create kind of key art for it. And like it became a thing where we like we we flew out to L.A. I stayed at Leah Thompson's house amidst her Back to the Future memorabilia, and uh, <laughs> you know dined with her family and and we went to Marvel Studios and we we pitched them like a Howard the Duck movie. And at some point, the producer was like looking at me and like being like, "So what's your role in this then?" Like I was answering all the questions because I got I had the nerd brain. But he's like, what, what, what do you want to do on this? Are, are you here because you want to write the screenplay? I'm like, oh no, no. <laughs> and they're like, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, this is just a lot of fun. Like, I'm just happy to help out. Like, if you want to credit me as story consultant, that's fine. But I, no, I don't want to write this. <laughs> and like, the the reason was like, whatever ends up on the screen, uh, there's so many, so many steps from writing mm -hmm. that screenplay to it being in on people's computers or TVs. Um, you've lost all control. It'll either become much better than you wrote, mm -hmm. you know, once the actors kind of get into it and directors figure stuff out in the editing process, or it could be terrible. And mm -hmm. like your name's going to be like on it. Like it, it's hard enough. I find on comics, especially if I'm paired with an artist through the kind of the Marvel DC method where maybe the artist isn't uh necessarily a great storyteller or kind of missing a few beats here and there like i find that incredibly hard like putting out that product knowing that like oh like right. these these beats don't land the way i i'd hope they would because i the artist wasn't able to sell the expression or the moment or the grandeur of something right um uh but but that's like that's such a small that's a small thing to give up versus having to give that up across multiple jobs mm. on, a, on a film or a tv set yeah, yeah i mean I, I i'll never say never i might i might end up doing more of it yeah. um but uh but yeah it doesn't doesn't hold that kind of that strong appeal to me unless it's like unless you knew it was gonna be super high quality which i yeah. just i don't i don't i mean i have tons of faith in marvel studios obviously but um who who knows? Like I could write a Howard the Duck screenplay, and it's like, oh boy, that didn't uh, turn out the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Or it could be yeah. like a huge hit, and like people love it. And I'm like, 
held aloft the uh, the shoulders of the producers and like this is the this is the golden god who created this. <laughs> I I always I always think it's funny when I when I started making stuff I had this realization that I sort of have over and over now um which is this is, sort of goes against what you're saying but I think it's two parts of the same coin I, I always as a fan of things kind of assumed that that when bad art existed that it was a failure that that everybody messed up and it never dawned on me until I started making stuff that bad art is often a successful product made by bad, by people with bad taste. And, yeah. and like, I, I, you know, you watch a movie and you're like, man, ever, I used to walk out of movies and just be like, man, everyone must be bummed on that. And I'm, it took me a long time to realize that like, no, a lot of them are probably pretty psyched, but it is yeah. fascinating to be now making enough stuff that like yes i've experienced that thing where you're like mm, this this book isn't quite what i want it to be mm -hmm. yeah. and it's such a it's such a like like i totally understand what you're saying about not wanting to give up control of anything because the the less excited you are of the final product the harder it is to do the workload and, and sort of the commitment that we have i, I oh, yeah. i've had some books that like you know I was kind of like, this is this is a grind, and it's not fun. And and when you're up at three in the morning working on it, it's it takes a lot more to keep doing it. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. I sort of wonder: Do you feel like you, coming from an artistic background, have a like a more critical take on? on the art side of the project oh 100 the weird thing is i don't think i'm a better artist than <laughs> like 90 percent of the artists i work with um like i can't i can't i can't make the thing in my head a, a reality through my hand drawing it for sure but um but yeah like i mean i think most editors who have worked with me and most artists who have worked with me will be like they'll take a deep breath like all right well, this is Chip's show. Like, he's going to art direct the hell out of this. And uh, I haven't had artists quit on me. Mm. Like, most are understanding. I think most of the the kind of the, the critiques I give at the layout stage or the pencil stage um, are are right. Like, they're not – like, they're objectively right. It's not like, a, um, oh, I just feel this way. It should be like this. And they're like, well, actually, you're, you're wrong. Um, um, so, so for the most part, the artists – at least outwardly seem to appreciate it sure. because they, mm -hmm. they can see that it, it makes the page better at the end. I think the editors appreciate it on one level because um, it takes that job out of their hands, mm -hmm. especially some of the editors that don't maybe have an art background. Um, uh, though I'm sure some of them are just like, Oh, don't hold up the process. <laughs> like <laughs> we, we just need to get this book out. Why are you, why are you asking for like, you know, a hand to be redrawn on page nine? Um, uh, so yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely probably more critical than other writers. Uh, yeah, for for good and bad. Like it, it it does hurt my soul sometimes getting pages in where I'm just like, oh my god, like they just like totally messed this up. Like um, and the editors can't see it, or maybe most of the readers won't be able to see it, but I see it. It's just like yeah. it, it jumps out at me uh, too much, uh, which makes it really hard. It's it's funny because I feel like that's a that's a common thing that. I know writers talk about, but not very publicly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's I, and it's not it's not everyone, and it's also it's not like it's not like 
for the most part, it's not a failing of the sure. artist because everyone's constantly learning. And I've been teamed up with a lot of kind of younger artists or newer artists. You know, uh, Marvel and DC likes to like bring in new people, um, uh, or maybe just established creators who just haven't had any kind of feedback before, and they're just kind of like going off. Um, but the opposite also happens a lot, which is like when I, I remember when I first got teamed up with Chris Anka and Matt Wilson on Star Lord, I was like. Oh, it's all perfect. It's yeah. so much better than anything I could have ever imagined. Like, and they would, both of them were able to sell the beats better than I could ever possibly do or give notes on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are there are definitely a lot of artists out there who really, really, it's the storytelling mostly. The, the artists who really care about storytelling uh, are always my favorites to work with. Sure. Yeah, I I love that moment of like turning in a page that's fine. And coming and getting back art that's exceptional for that page, where you're like, yeah. "Oh, you figured out how to make this work in a way that I couldn't." Like, yeah. and I, you know, I, I, I feel like for me, that's you know, the majority. I, I it goes more yeah. that I'm, I'm, leveled up by the people I work with than the other way. But like, it, it is a, uh, it, it <laughs> the, it's hard sometimes to hold on to the ones that click as in your head as much as the ones that miss. Yeah. But, the, I mean, I'm lucky right now because, like, on Daredevil, I've got Marco Chichetto, sure. and on Batman, I've got Jorge Jimenez, and, like, they're yep. both, like, masters. <laughs> so I'm like, you could just sit back and be wowed and awed and be like, oh, wow, like, I wrote a boring thing and you made it exciting. Like, thank you very much. Um, I want to talk about sort of the, the creative process for you on the other side of it, starting with, like, Sex Criminals, because yeah. Sex Criminals to me is a book that I'm kind of intrigued by the creative process a lot because... Um, when I started reading it, I didn't really know you or your work. Um, and so I was seeing a lot of it through the lens of like, well, I knew Matt Fraction stuff on Hawkeye and I knew his sense of humor and his jokes. And now, you know, we become friends and uh, I've seen your work and other things and stuff that you write. And I see so much of you in the book more yeah. than I think, I, more, much more than I obviously realized at the time. And I'm sort of wondering, I know for me, like when I work with Tyler Boss on Four Kids Walking a Bank or What's the First Place from Here, there's a moment where like we'll look at something and neither of us will remember actually where it came from. Yeah, yeah. That'll be like, uh, maybe that was you, maybe that was me. I don't, I don't, like we look at scripts sometimes <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I wrote that joke. I didn't think I did. Or like, I'd be like, that joke's not in my script. Like, what was the process on that for you? That's your first real book, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the first one I did with somebody. Yeah, um, and Matt and I were friends going into it, um, which is which is why we were doing the book, and, and we just kind of were doing it for each other. Um, yeah, there's we we definitely have a lot of what you're talking about with Tyler, like on Sex Criminals, where like we just don't know who created what character or what scenario because mm-hmm. so much of it was just um, phone calls and texts and emails, just kind of back and forth, just kind of fleshing it out. Um, Matt's kind of like the king of yes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's constantly adding, like, I'll throw a thing and, like, we'll just kind of keep going back and forth and building it. And, like, like last night it was just, like, dumb jokes about D-Man. And, like, we just built a whole D-Man universe <laughs> just, just through just through goofing around on text. Um, and, and Sex Criminals was, like, weirdly a lot of the first phone calls we had about it um, were just him and I kind of late at night talking about our sexual histories mm-hmm. like in our, our relationships and stuff and like kind of figuring figuring out 
Oh, so it's autobiographical? There's there's bits of it that are 100%. Like, sure. like you know, there's a joke, but also, yeah. Um, uh, both of us would go away and talk to people, come back with stories, and uh, um, uh, sometimes it'd just be like, oh, you know, uh, I want a bad guy. And I want a bad guy who's like, looks like Tilda Swinton, and all in, like, looks like uh, Eon Flux. But all in all in white and glows and like Matt's like great great and she can do this I'm like yeah and her name will be this and she'll can do that and like well like yeah there, it's, there's such a back and forth on it and um but then we part ways yeah and like Matt just just focuses on that script and then when he sends it to me um I I focus fully on the art and I don't show him anything until the whole book's done and colored lettered. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. Um, because I want to surprise him. He wants to surprise me with the takeaway from our conversations, and I wanted to surprise him with, with, uh, with how I interpreted all of it. Mm-hmm. I stuck really closely to a script, though, because I was scared because I'd never, um, I'd never drawn a book that someone wrote before. Sure. Like <laughs> even even now, like when I get like a page back in which someone's changed the angle, uh, uh, on a scene, uh, I'm just like, oh my. God, like I would never do that to Matt. <laughs> like I would, I would break my brain to figure out, like, how am I going to fit this in, like, this space um, from this angle? And like, there'd be a couple times where I had to send him an apology text, like, "Hey, I'm really trying to make this work from a top-down angle, but I just can't, and I'm, I'm trying this, and I hope that's okay." He's like, "What? I don't even remember writing that." Like, fine. <laughs> like, I would stress more about it uh, than uh, most people probably. Um, but yeah, it's like it's. It's 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 so collaborative, and, the, and especially when it came time to like put it out into the world and promote it. Like, um, we were just like a we were like a tag team of just like making jokes and doing wild stuff and like creating dumb promotional things together. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it was it was so it was so collaborative, and it's really weird now. Um, because so many people know me as a writer. Like it used to be like uh, I wasn't credited for much in sex criminals, which sure. suited me fine because um, uh, the trade-off is the writer gets the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas the artist generally just gets the good. Uh-huh. Like if, if you like my stuff in issue one, you're going to like my stuff in issue 20. Yeah. If you like issue mm-hmm. one of sex criminals, you, you may not like issue 20 and that's story stuff. That's character stuff. Um, so for me, like art credit, just like I, I don't, really, I didn't really care. I, I, I was quite happy just kind of drawing it and getting the kind of the adulation for, um, for the good stuff, really. Um, even if, even if a lot of the ideas that people hated in the reviews were mine, like they didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now that I've been writing for so long, when new readers come to Sex Criminals, they think Matt's the artist and I'm the writer. Oh, that's funny. Which is super <laughs> weird. Like it's totally kind of reversed it. Because he's been off doing like his Godzilla TV show, so he's not putting out as many comics as he used to. Sure. And uh, now all of a sudden, I'm the writer of Sex Criminals. It's very you, strange. You should do a book where you write it and he draws it. We talked about it because the 10th anniversary is coming up, and I, I I pitched the idea that we should pretend like we had a a, a real friend split, uh-huh. and like uh, uh, I refused to draw his script and he refused to write for me, so it would just be like a flip book. Or like, or like, I write a really bad story that I draw well, and he like writes a really good story that he draws poorly. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, I'm into it. Yeah, we'll see if we have the time. Um, 
Do you feel like that collaboration sort of spoiled you for making comics or do you, or is that like a special thing and you wouldn't want that all the time? Um, I mean, it was definitely intense. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, uh, like the success of it because, um, it was like every day there was something new about the book happening to us, especially in that first year. Mm -hmm. Um, and like we kind of, we wrote it together, but it was, it was really, really intense. Um, I don't know if I could, if I could find a collaborator, collaborator who was kind of like my chip to me as Matt or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that'd be amazing. Like I've had, I've had really strong kind of creative relationships with a, a bunch of uh, artists on, on so many projects, but nothing quite at that level where sure. we're, we're just constantly texting uh, and like trying to make each other laugh or trying to make each other like cry. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was intense. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice. Cause that would, uh, I, I do miss that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when you're working on multiple books, it can, it can feel a little bit like, Oh, okay. There's a fire over here. I'm just putting it out. Yeah. And it's a shame when comics kind of feel more like what's the, what's the biggest fire to put out? Mm-hmm. I want, what's, I wanna, what's the biggest joy? Yeah. I wanted to ask sort of related to that about the rewards of what you're doing now. Cause obviously both of you are very like high volume writers and, and I, I don't remember what show it was, but somebody asked Rosenberg about, like how he puts out so much stuff and and you said something about like your feelings of inadequacy or whatever is what drives you. Um, and uh, I was curious because like, I feel like the main thing, like Griffin and I get so burned out all the time. And like the main thing that we talk about with you is we'll be like, that son of a bitch. Like he just, like he does so much shit. Like he's always turning out so much shit and it never feels like you call in sick or you're like half-assing something. Like even like when it comes down to the newsletter and social media stuff and it's like, are the rewards still so high for you that that's what's driving you forward? And I'm not talking like money and stuff, obviously, but like the feeling of when you've done something and you think it's good, is that what still drives you? Like what keeps your energy that high and keeps you going? Yeah. I mean, um, on the stuff that I'm writing, other people draw, like it's really kind of seeing those pages come in. Yeah. Which, you know, if you have enough projects on the go, you're lucky enough to get those kind of really every day. Right. And uh, especially when they're from great artists, it's just like, oh, man, that's so good. Like you just you you, you get a charge from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. The thing that really drives me is so when I was on Sex Criminals, um, I remember the feeling of not having a script in time. Mm-hmm. Like like Matt was going through stuff or, uh, you know big things were happening and um sometimes i i i not have a script for like a week or two and mm-hmm. um it's so stressful it's such a stressful feeling um even on a book like sex criminals where it's like oh you could take your time really but like it's a full-time job to draw a book and so like i remember i i i once had to say to him like yeah you need to like give me a better heads up for this kind of thing because i turned down a job that would have got me like twenty thousand dollars right like it was like it was going to be like multiple covers for Marvel. It was going to be like this massive like month where I did every cover, and I turned it down because I was I was expecting a script for right. Sex Criminals issue six. And Matt was going through stuff. He was going through stuff, so I can I can't be mad at him for it. Um, but but it was like uh, you need to give the heads up to the artist if you're not going to be delivering in time because like you're paid by the page, right. and uh, and the clock's ticking. So with that in my head, like I never. 
I'm never late on the script because mm-hmm. uh, because I recognize that like, oh yeah, no, like they're feeding their family, like they're paying their mortgage, like um, I can't sit around and be precious about this. Like I have to actually put my head down and like get to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like I get the joy from getting the pages, but I also have the the stress of letting down the artist, and huh. uh, and 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 I have to really make sure that they. They they can they can pay their bills, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's as it's as basic as that. Like I don't want to, I can't leave them hanging. Like I can count maybe two or three times in which I've been like late enough with a script that, that I had to get them working ahead on covers or something, and uh, and that's just not a good feeling. And so yeah. so I I work as hard as I can so I don't have that feeling. Right. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask. A question about sort of career planning and just sort of how you visualized oh my god but visualized stuff <laughs> well i'm curious because you you know you, you were doing your own stuff which was comedy stuff and sort of strip stuff and then you do sex criminals which is comedy and you go to howard the duck and star lord which are comedic and now you look at where you are and even captar is funny and and now you look at and it's like you're drawing dare you're writing daredevil you're writing batman and those aren't super funny books. Um, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. The jokes aren't landing. It's not your funniest stuff. No, it's, not, it's, yeah. it's not Dilbert, mm. right, Ethan? <laughs> oh, no. We're going to oh. cut all this out. <laughs> We're going to cut everything out but the Dilbert. Um, <laughs> oh, no. The Dilbert cut. The, uh, was that, did you feel like when you started and you were doing, you know, like pitching on Howard the Duck and pitching on, you know, star lord and stuff did you feel like you had to be doing comedic stuff because that's what people expected of you did you want to be doing that were you always looking towards doing more serious stuff or is it just where the wind blows or or what is it why why have you taken this darker turn are you doing okay (laughs) yeah exactly um uh there's been no career planning i mean Mm -hmm. i mean you and i know all the same kind of creators who like we can definitely pick up the ones who are like maybe too focused on career planning. Sure. Like, well, if I do this and I can't do that because that's a step down or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, yeah, come on. Um, but, you know, you mentioned like, like Howard the Duck was my first kind of writing gig um, and then Star-Lord. But like those were comedy, but they're also some of the saddest books I've written. Sure. Like Howard the Duck, like there's, there are maybe three issues in that run that are like, I think probably the saddest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of reflection on relationships and like one involves like two orphans and like, it's just like, it's really my, my template for kind of comedy stuff is always going to be um, the Giffen Dimitri's uh, justice league books mm-hmm. from like eighties, nineties, um, which were funny, sure. but like when they kicked you, they kicked you hard and yeah. like, and I think that's that's how that works. Like, if you have a book that's uh, that's all dour and sad and angsty or whatever, then like it's hard to make any of those kind of beats land. Sure. You kind of need the comedy to to offset that. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, they were funny books, but they were also like they were also serious on another level um, with the kind of the larger storyline and. Uh, and and yeah like and then you know, I'll, I'll go and do pure comedy with like jughead mm-hmm. like it's it's a bad career planning kind of thing that i've been doing because like 
I always feel like I've never built a Chip Zdarsky audience uh-huh. because like when you think of like, I don't know, John Grisham or Danielle Steele, like, like those kind of like global novelists sure. they just put out the same kind of thing because they're building a fan base. So you pick up like a Tom Clancy book, you know what you're getting. Yeah. For the most part, if you pick up a Stephen King book, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's, that's just smart. That's smart career planning. I mean, Whereas, that's, that's rare in comics, though. It is, it is rare in comics. When you pick up a Garth Ennis book, like, you know you're getting Garth Neil Gaiman, you know you're getting Neil Gaiman. Like, yeah. there are ones who really, the ones who will stick to that, really transcend and create, like, a, yeah. a specific career. I'm, I'm always fascinated that, like, more people don't look at uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips and be like, that's what I'm going to do. Because yeah. they're so successful at it by just being like, we have a brand and, you know, we're just fucking meditating on bad people doing bad things and it's the thing they love and i know like you know i, I talked to ed a fair amount and like you know he'll have like ideas for like fantasy books and things like that and he's like oh maybe the next one will be a fantasy book but like they always kind of come back to the same thing because i think part of it is probably a fear right. because yeah they're, they're building a career um but i can't picture who out there is being like i'm a chip Sarsky fan i'm gonna pick up jughead and now i'm gonna pick up daredevil uh-huh. <laughs> i'm gonna pick up this new burn and i'm gonna pick up captara like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. But you, but those people exist. You meet them, I'm sure. I'm sure, but I mean, it's I mean, such I, a small I read segment. them, so I know that they do. But I appreciate it. But it's, it's a small segment for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like it's easy enough to convert a Daredevil reader to a Batman reader, or vice versa, or even take them to Newburn. Yeah. Um, but you it's much harder. Like your indie books all have a a crossover fan. Like, forget the superhero stuff. Like, the you don't feel like there's a new Burn fan who's also reading Public Domain? I mean, the, the, maybe. But again, they're, they're, they feel so different to me. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe the name that I've kind of built up is enough to get people to try an issue one. But, like, it is hard for me to picture someone who's, like, really into New Burn picking an issue on a Public Domain and being like, oh. Yeah, this is this is exactly what I want. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just being kind of down on myself or down on the audience. But um, but yeah, I've, I've always just kind of picked projects that like I just wanted to do. Like, I have a desire to do. Like, when I um, when I signed up with Marvel, and then when CB came on board, he sent an email out to all of us. And maybe you didn't get the email. I don't know. But um, we'll find out. <laughs> it was an email basically saying like. Hey, let me know your your like top two titles or whatever that you mm-hmm. want to do. Yeah, just so we knew what everyone's interests were and where they where they lay. And I, and I sent them mine, and Daredevil's number one. Mm-hmm. And I think it was surprising to him and surprising to other people there because at that point I'd been doing like Star Lord, Spectacular Spider Man, like trying to keep yeah. it relatively light. Um, and even when he offered me the book. Uh, he was like, I think he thought like, oh, maybe this is gonna be like a Mark Wade style, a bit lighter spin on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was as dark as I could make it, because that's what I wanted to do. It wasn't like a conscious like, oh, you know, I should probably like bring over some of the, like my Spider-Man readers who like the quips or whatever. It's just like, no, no, I want to tell a story about violence, and yeah. this is gonna be dark. Um, I remember because yeah, it's 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 my interest. I remember when you when you were pitching daredevil in the room at at one of the retreats and it was funny because um i really wanted daredevil 
Ed Brisson really wanted Daredevil. I mean, everyone wants yeah, yeah, Daredevil. Ed Brisson wanted it, and and Donnie Cates really wanted it. And the three of us were. Uh, I had Donnie sitting to my right, and Ed sitting to my left. And obviously, everybody loves you, and everyone's rooting for you. But there was a real like Chip's going to pitch Daredevil. There was a real energy of like people folding their arms and being like, "Well, let's see oh, what yeah. this bullshit is." And I remember you. Started <laughs> oh, I felt it. Yeah, yeah, it was super, it was super palpable of just being like, "Oh, funny guy's got a Daredevil." Like, let's go. Like, let's yeah, yeah. Play. Yeah, no, knives were getting sharpened, and uh you start going and i just feel people sort of like letting their guard down myself included and kind of leaning in and being like all right all right and i remember just sitting there and just you had one beat early on i don't remember what it is now but you had one beat you got to and i remember brisson just going fuck under his breath <laughs> and donnie leaned forward to me and he goes chip's gonna win a fucking eisner <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Chip Zdarsky. Make sure to check out Public Domain and everything else Chip is working on by subscribing to his newsletter at zdarsky.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?